0: This show is part of the Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale Of yon McCool, Coo Cullen, dear draw the sorrows grow on your wail From giants right down to fairies, of the drooping and solitary And oh, so are sometimes scary Anything goes by the fireside yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Mero Fireside. Kings and queens, fat and heroes, don't you run from the fun? there's no need to hide. Sit by the Fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology. We retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 220 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we have a voyage tale an essential odyssey or a Naiad from Irish mythology. This is The Voyage of Mael Dune. But before we kick off to that, a very big warm welcome to any new and indeed returning listeners. If you're a new listener, this is actually a very good example of what we do here on Fireside, a very typical kind of story of Irish folklore mythology. Um, so this is a great one to start off with. And if you enjoy it, why don't you make your way all the way back to episode one, and see what we've been building up to over the last four and a half years of the podcast. And if you're a returning listener, I, of course, don't need to tell you any of this. But uh, well, thank you so much for your continued support. Please support me in all the usual ways you can. Uh, you can follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard. You can share this on your story. You can share this with your friends. Keep the name of Fireside Alive and keep it spreading. If you want to support in a more direct way, you can buy my book, Garden Sea, and Neo-Myth of Home, my poetry collection, which is available from the Headstuff website or from Amazon on Kindle. All the links are in the description below. And the final way you can support is, of course, by joining Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com, for as little as €5 a month, although you can pay more if you want, you can gain access to bonus material, not just for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Those are all the cells out of the way. It is lovely to be recording with you all again today. I am in my new house in Dublin still. It has again been a couple of weeks since I've recorded a podcast, um, which I am again quite sorry for. Um, It's been a very... I've said this a few times in the last while, but it's been an incredibly intense and hectic and uh, quite difficult uh, few months for me personally. Um, It's... I've been working an awful lot. I've been playing a lot of live music um, around Dublin, which has been fantastic, and I've enjoyed that immensely. Um, but it has been taking its toll on me, on my energy and my burnout. And um, I've been playing roughly between 15 and 17 gigs a week at the moment, um, which again is brilliant, um, but <laughs> has taken some getting used to and has uh, not allowed me really any time to to do anything else. Um, uh, I haven't really been taking even any days off, which I'm trying to get back to more of a, a balance of, um. Most importantly, in in terms of getting back to the routine of the podcast, um, and also finishing off the the edits uh, to my book, um, which I finished a couple of months ago, and now I'm in the redraft stage of, um, because these are the things not only that I've been doing the longest, but also the things that bring me the most joy and happiness. And as long as you all are still out there listening to Fireside, I want to continue to bring it to you. So thank you for your patience, those who are returning listeners. Um, it's been a great source uh, to me, um, your support out there. So thank you very much. And yes, I just have to try and be kind to myself and trust I'll get out of um, these personal struggles that I'm having and get back to more of a balance um, but I won't bore you in any more detail with any of those. But the story for this week is is quite an interesting one. And it's one that was a great discovery. Doesn't really fit in with the any, any of the usual uh, remits or cycles of Irish mythology. Kind of exists in its own sort of cycle, which is a, a sort of voyage tale. And we have ta- had tales of sea voyages, both large and small, before... But this one, more than any I discovered, had the most of an odyssey feel to it of a very much of Odysseus leaving the Trojan War and visiting all these countless islands in the Aegean Sea in his effort to get home. This does really feel like an Irish equivalent of that, whether it rose up naturally or if this was a response itself to um, the odyssey and to other tales like The Aeneid or The Voyage of the Argo with Jason. um, But it also made it quite a difficult or a challenging story to adapt, as you may see when I, when I tell my version of it, and I'll go into a bit more detail afterwards. But it was quite dense. There was a huge amount of information in it that I didn't want to cut a huge amount out of, but still wanted to keep it the flow and keep it at a good length. Um, but we will chat more about it, of course, afterwards. But this is The Voyage of Male on Fireside. <laughs> the Voyage of Male Once there was a king of the clan Onacht of the Aran Islands. He took it upon himself to plunder and marauder on the mainland of Erin. With him was one of his fiercest and greatest warriors, Alil of the Edge of Battle, so named because he was the first to arrive and last to leave any fight. After a hard day's raiding, at midnight, Alil went up on a hill to a church. Inside he found a nun who was just about to strike the midnight bell. Alil thought her beautiful, and his blood was up from a long day's fight. He grabbed the nun and asked her to lie with him. The nun said, This union is unblessed. Now is the time of my conceiving. Who are you? I am Alil, edge of battle, warrior of the Arran Islands. After securing gold in great store and defeating their foes, the Oanokt men returned home. Upon arrival, the Arons themselves were raided by marauders from Leeks. Alil, edge of battle, was killed by these men. His body was dumped in a church, and the church was burnt down on top of him. Nine months later, the nun gave birth to a baby boy. This child she named Male Doon, but because of her vow to God. The nun could not raise her son herself. So Meldoon was fostered to a king and queen. The stepmother raised Meldoon as one of her own. She had three natural-born sons, but Meldoon was never treated like he wasn't one. Indeed, the child grew in a blissful ignorance of his birth and parentage. Growing into a handsome young man, Meldun was every bit Alil Edge of Battle's son, even if he didn't know it. He was a natural warrior, swift and cunning. He had the strength for large weaponry and the agility to never be caught. So talented was the boy that another warrior grew jealous of him and said one day, You may beat us in every game and sport and fight, But you will never be one of us. No one knows your mother, your father, or your native land. Meldun was baffled by this insult, and so went to his foster mother. He said, I will not eat or drink until you tell me who my real mother and father are. The queen said, Where did you get the idea that you are not my son? You cannot believe the words of childish warriors in the yard. Have I ever made you feel that you were not my son? Never, said Meldun. But when he said that today, it just felt true. And I must know, who is my birth mother? With great reluctance, but respecting her son's right, the queen took Meldoon to the church and he met the nun the nun that was his mother the nun said to her son I wanted you to be raised with love and not to know the shame of your birth I am not ashamed said Meldun but now that I know my mother I must know my father no good will come from you knowing your father said the nun nevertheless it is my right said the boy the nun told Maeldoon that his father was Alil, edge of battle of the Oanacht of the Arams. The next day Maeldoon sailed for the islands off the west coast of Ere and was welcomed home to his father's lands. But the boy was devastated to learn of his father's murder and he was taken to the ruins of the church that had been burned and collapsed on Alil's body. As Maeldoon picked up a stone from the debris of the church, a poison-tongued man named Brickna appeared and said, "If you really are your father's son, you will not throw stones over his bones, but will seek revenge. Who murdered him?" asked Meldun. "Marauders from the island of Leeks. How do I get there?" Meldun was told the only way to get to Leeks was by sea and it would not be an easy voyage. So the young warrior went to the wizard Nuka for a blessing. The wizard told Meldune that he must build a boat and crew it with seventeen men, not one man more or less. Meldune carved a mighty curra and layered it with three skins. He whittled each oar, and of his father's people found his sixteen shipmates. On the day the voyage of Mael began, the Currah launched from the coastline, when the voyager heard the sound of his name from the shore. It was Mael three foster brothers. "'We're coming with you,' one of them cried. "'Turn back,' cried Mael "'I cannot have one more man on this boat, or this voyage will be cursed. "'Well, you're either taking us with you, or we will drown.' and each of the foster brothers jumped into the sea and began swimming after the Kurra. Rather than see his foster brothers, whom he loved as blood brothers, drown, Mael turned the ship around and welcomed his brothers aboard. After three days and three nights of rowing, the Kurra finally approached the island of Leeks. Mael could see two forts on the island. My father's murderers are here. Next the crew heard voices from the island. Back off, said a loud and gruff man. I am a greater warrior than you, for I killed Alil edge of battle, and burned a church down upon him. And no bad luck has come upon me since. No ill luck until today, said Meldun as he prepared to land on the island. But at these words, a great wind swept up and storm clouds stirred in the sky. The current changed and the curral was pulled away from the island and tossed out to sea. The crew began to frantically row, but Maeldoon stopped them. Save your energy, you fools. We belong to the sea now and can only pray for safe deliverance. Let us hope Manon and Makhleer brings us to land soon. He then turned to his foster brothers. This is all your fault. I told you to go back. I told you our voyage would be cursed with you on board. The brothers said nothing, and the crew drifted in silence for three days and three nights. Another island appeared after all this aimless drifting, and Mael looked ahead to the shore. He could see the shape of horses, A sign of life, of humanity, of food and water. But the closer they came, the clearer the image was. These creatures were the size of horses, but they were actually ants. Enormous, monstrous ants. Meldun urged his crew to pull the curro away from the island, from the monsters, the next piece of land they encountered was heard long before it was seen. This one was full of birds, both familiar and foreign to the crew. Meldoon himself cautiously went ashore first, and after establishing that the birds were in fact just birds and not monsters or demon birds, he captured some and the crew had their first meal in days. Another three days later, they were not so lucky. The shipmates found an island guarded by a horse, with the legs and claws of a wolf. The beast looked hungry and eager to meet the crew. He was digging and clawing up the sand on the shore in anticipation. The tide pulled the curragh to the island's shore, but Meldun cried, Pull away! and they narrowly avoided the beast. The next island was full of giant horses and nuts and berries the size of boulders. When the crew landed, they heard the cries of strange voices and ran from the island, fearing they had stumbled upon a demon horse race. No horses at all on the following large piece of land, but rather a huge stone fort with a passage in the roof and the waves of the sea crashing into it. With each wave, fresh, delicious salmon landed in the fort, and seeing no other residents, Naildoon and his men ate their fill. After another week without food, they encountered an island of delicious apples, and filled the curra to the brim with enough fruit to last them for forty days. The following island had a stone wall built all around its circumference. ''What do you suppose it is keeping inside?'' asked Meldrum. Their answer came in the appearance of a beast. A beast that the crew thought faster than the wind. It ran all around the island, facing them at every turn. The beast then performed a terrifying feat, where it contorted and shifted its body. Its head was where its feet were, its bones and flesh reversed outside. As the crew paddled away in horror, the beast began to hurl stones at the boat, one of which pierced Meldune's shield and knocked a hole in the curragh. The crew's next stop was an island of more horses, but ones that were tearing chunks out of each other's sides, which made the sand of the beach run red with blood, which diluted into the foam. The curragh did not stop long here either. No horses on their next land either, but this time pigs, huge pigs with fur made of fire. The pigs used their hind legs to kick the trees of the island, which dropped beautiful golden apples. Maldun observed that the pigs only hunted at night, so the crew waited for morning, went ashore. The sand burned their feet from the fire of the pigs, but the crew gathered what apples they could and staved off starvation for another day. In all, Maildoon's Curra visited 34 islands on their voyage. They witnessed an island of burning rivers. They met the miller of hell who grinds money to dust. Birds with human voices. They sailed over an underwater city. They met a queen who offered each of them the hand in marriage of one of her daughters and the promise of eternal youth. But this again seemed a trap to Meldun. On an island where everyone laughed all day and all night, one of Meldun's brothers decided that he could not imagine a better life and stayed on the island of laughter. Giants, monsters, demons, kings, queens, hermits, fools. The voyage of Meldoon was like a tarot reading. There seemed to be nothing or no one they didn't see, except, of course, for the familiar sight of home. But on the final island, Meldoon met an ancient man who had been stranded for over seven years. I was a cook on the mainland, but a wicked cook. I stole food and sold it for jewels and riches. I wound up stranded on this island, but I have not perished. Each day salmon washes to the shore, and I have fresh water to drink. There is plenty for you and your crew, Meldun. You will all reach home soon. But should you come across your father's murderers again, do not kill, but forgive them. For all of you have endured so much and are still alive, and you were all as worthy of death. The crew ate with the thief, wished him well, and set out to sea once more. And so they returned to the first island the one they had been pulled away from all that time ago. The voyage of Meldun had ended up lasting for three years and seven months. The Currah landed on the shores and approached the fort where still lived the marauders of Leeks who had killed Meldun's father. They knocked on the door. Who is it? It is Meldun. The marauders came out. Come in, Meldun, and be our welcomed guest. We cannot imagine what you have been through since last we saw your curragh. Sit down, let us eat and drink and tell stories. And so they did. Meldun forgave his father's killers and returned home to Ireland at peace with his journey. And that was the voyage of Meldun the end. Hi there. We are sorry to interrupt your podcast, but we would love to get your thoughts on podcasting in Ireland. Please go to the podcaststudios.ie forward slash survey and help us fill out the form you will automatically be entered into a draw for a €200 one-for-all gift card. And that is the tale of the voyage of Maildoon on Fireside. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Yes, so you can see the Odyssey influence here in terms of, but rather than Odysseus returning home from war and just trying to get back to his home island of Ithaca, we have... Meldoon in the reverse kind of setting out for war going out to seek revenge and being but similar to Odysseus being drifted away constantly and, and being so close to his destination but being swept away but with Odysseus you have him being cursed by the gods but cursed by Poseidon to be drift around the Aegean but here Maldun has is put in a rather difficult position. I'm sorry, my a neighbour of mine is just revving his stupid motorbike in his garden. I hope you can't hear that. I shall soldier on. Um, Maldun goes to visit this wizard and gets these very clear instructions of to bring 17 men, no more, no less. And he tries to adhere to that, but is put in the difficult position, when similar to... Samwise Gamgee in Lord of the Rings trying to swim after Frodo Baggins and nearly drowning on his swim out, he has to decide whether to break the the rule given to him by the wizard or to let his beloved foster brothers drown. So that makes it a very interesting reason, you know, it's not really Meldoon's fault that the voyage becomes cursed. Um, But it all ends up being for the good reason, naturally, because in these three years and seven months and the visits of these 34 islands, he goes from being vengeful and bloodthirsty for this father that he never knew um, to seeking to forgive these marauders who welcome him at the very end. And so, yeah, naturally, the, the reason this story was so hard to adapt or more challenging to adapt was it had in detail about all 34 islands. Well, I say in detail, there was only about maybe like three or four lines to each, but it was broken down like paragraphs. Like it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, and I wanted to at least go into detail with the first 10, 10 or 11 islands um, and then give little just mentions to as many of the other ones as I possibly could because there is just such wonderful imagery and imagination. A lot of horses, a lot of variations on horses. You know, like it's the ants that are the size of horses. It is the horse with the claws on its feet. It is the horses that are eating each other. It is the horses that are being ridden by demons. And this started to make it feel more like it was an inspiration for Jonathan Swift for Gulliver's Travels, because it takes on this kind of satirical and more Irish, I guess, influence there. And it'd be surprised if if Swift hadn't come across this tale and didn't take a partial a partial inspiration for it for his creations of the islands that uh, Gulliver visits in his story. Um but see I wanted to really capture as much of the, the length and the the breadth and the variety of the journey that Meldoon and his shipmates go on. And it seems he only loses one along the way. He only loses one foster brother who just decides to stay on the island of laughter for for understandable reasons. Who doesn't enjoy a good laugh? Who wouldn't just want to laugh their days away on a tropical island? Um, but we also have a couple of other instances at play here. This, I get the feeling that this is a more recent story. like certainly like less than a thousand years old. Because this story, I could be wrong on that, but this story feels more, a little more Christian than some other myths, naturally, like nearly all of the Irish myths from the written sources we have, have that Christian influence there because they were written down by Christian scribes. But the Christianity seems quite integral to the beginning of this tale, in terms of Meldoon's birth, and um, we have Allege of battle sleeping with this nun, and we get the impression that this is not consensual and that he rapes this nun. And what was a curious point when in the adaptation that I did from one of these old texts that has some more recent notes on it, I'll share the link in the description below, it just has a little addendum beside it about the how consensual the, the love was between this nun and this soldier. And the note suggests that the rape aspect was a Christian addition to it that in a more pagan version of this, this wouldn't be considered as non-consensual in terms of that it would have been more possible for the nun to have perhaps loved al battle. But in a Christian version of this story, naturally a nun could not be seen to go against God and she must have been taken against her will. But regardless of that, we then have a very complex birth for this hero who never knew his mother or his father, but is raised by a foster mother and then wants to seek out who he is. And his mother had, understandably, given him up, um, but was raised, gave him to be raised by a king and queen and gave the boy a life that she never could have given him. But then when he wants to know who his father was, the nun does not want to say who he is because she perhaps does not know that the man is dead or perhaps she has no love for this man who took her against her will and made her ruin her vows to her god um and but she does respect it's all about it it was i felt it was an interesting story in terms of um, adoption and to children who have been adopted the idea that you encounter people who are very happy with the foster families or the adoptive families that they were raised with, but some just want to know. Um, not even to live with or to have a relationship, but just want to know. At least that has been in, in the experience of friends and colleagues I've had who've, who've spoken to me about being adopted. Um, but so that was an element at play when I was when I was reading and, and adapting this story was the idea of just wanting to know who your birth parents were, even if you, even if one had died, or even if you couldn't have a relationship with one. So it is interesting that Meldoon wants to go out on this vendetta, and he is just... And it's interesting that, that I took that from the story that Brickna, this man who appears at the church where Meldoon's father had been murdered, was described as a poison-tongued man, like it is this bad thing that he's been told to go out and seek revenge. Um, and that naturally sets up why... We have the turnaround at the end that it's supposed to be a story about forgiveness and not venge vengeance. And what better way than to come around from the idea of vengeance to forgiveness than by visiting thirty-four islands with some pretty mad shit on them? Um I can't help but love, yes, the the horse the horse ants um and the beast particularly, the beast that is almost impossible to describe. It is constantly looking at you from all angles. I just pictured it like the Titanic Museum, that no matter which way you look at it, it's like the ship is coming at you. But that can reverse its skin and put its bones and its flesh on the outside and put its head where its feet were and feet where its head were. And that's what I love about the idea of audio or visual storytelling, um, or like as in on the page rather than um, in a visual medium like film or TV, is that I love the idea of your image of what that beast looks like in your head will probably be totally different to what mine is. And I like the idea of it almost being vague, just these almost impossible descriptions for this one creature uh, that just allows you to create it yourself in your own head. It's like you have to do half the work. And I I love little details like that. And so this, I hope, will be the start of a new sort of series um, of Fireside tales of some voyage stories. There are certainly another couple of other ones I want to do. Um, I haven't done many saints um, on Fireside, uh, apart from St. Kevin, who is, of course, my namesake, um, and St. Patrick, for obvious reasons, St. Patrick occupies a very big role in Irish mythology as much as in Christianity. Um, But I've stayed away from some of the other saints because as people have regularly listened to them, I try to, where possible, return to a simplified, more pagan and less allegorical or Christian or moral version of these stories. I want these stories to be as they were um, and intended as just stories rather than with any lesson to learn or like any preaching or anything But still there are very interesting characters and I am always very interested in how the worlds of early Christianity and late pagan Ireland overlapped. That's why I particularly like St. Kevin is he occupies a very interesting stage which is like 6th century AD Ireland which is like the immediate aftermath of the conversion to Christianity. So I'm always very interested in that world where... There were still hangers-on of people believing in pagan gods, and then this belief in this one true god. And how did people wrangle that? So another certain idea of is like I'd love to do the voyage of Saint Brendan, which is another one of the great voyage tales of Ireland, and another one of the very, um, iconic saints in Ireland, um, known for this great voyage that he went on, where he's supposed to have thought to have discovered Iceland, and uh, even some think that Saint Brendan discovered America, um, which is gas and uh, so that could be another potential story in a couple of weeks but next week we will have a great irish folk tale about the white trout which i've already released r- written and i'm going to record after this and release it about a day after because again it has been a couple of weeks since we last had an episode of fireside so i'm going to release two this week and again where possible i'm going to try and release two as often as i can um, and just get back to where we should be at this point in the year um, because I still do want to make sure we get to 250 episodes by the end of 2023 and 300 episodes by the end of 24. Um, but yes, uh, let me know what you thought about The Voyage of Mel Dune. As always, you can follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard. Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Buy my book, Garden Sea, A Neil Myth of Home, in paperback or in Kindle. Links are in the description below. Support the podcast at Head Stuff Plus on headstuffpodcast.com. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. Remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the podcast studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.